0: Hi, everyone. Welcome to episode four of the Mindblown Zone. This is Matt and Brad. This is part two of the legal overlay history. Uh, in the previous podcast, we went up to approximately the year 1666. Uh, we highly recommend that you watch the, that episode before this one. Uh, we're not going to do a summary. Just go and watch it. It's definitely for your benefit. Uh, and just before we go into the content uh, for this one, we're just going to discuss two things that we just uh, chatted about during the break between these two episodes. Uh, Brad, the first one we talked about was the lords and ladies idea. Do you want to touch on that one? We talked about ladies? I don't remember that. Um, we? The, the lords. The lords and nobles? What, what was it? Lords and commons, right? That was the... Lords and commons. Sorry. I just, <laughs> <laughs> just yeah, I, I the tongue. I, I
1: just, you know, today you can see this. You can see the reflection of this in the, you know, the British parliament today right they have the house of lords which are the sovereigns right. the nobility then you have the house of commons which is the peasants and serfs right? Right. and the whole idea there is that the lords are there to keep the king queen crown in check so that their their rights that they you
0: know have established aren't trampled upon or removed that's basically their function and i guess they're pretending that they're there for like the serfs whom they represent, sure. or seem to represent, but really they're just pushing back against the king. You know, it just seems like they're representing the people because they're pushing against the king, and the people want to push against the king. But right. they're the reason they're pushing against the king is just for their interests that's solely. Right. right, that's right. That's the idea.
1: Right, they're happy to you know subjugate the serfs to help the king all all they want. Right, but they're really they're they're, they're you know. Underneath what's happening and their legislation is they're making sure that none of this stuff tramples on their
0: sovereign rights. That's why they're really mm-hmm, there. Mm-hmm. So the king is trying to make all these like uh, tax laws and stuff and, you know, you know, get the most out of the serfs as possible. Tax but policies. The, I'm going to start correcting you. Tax every time policies, you do policies. <laughs> I'm sorry. And the, the nobility is like, now, here, here. This is trampling on my rights right now. I say, I say.
1: That good old chop. That's right. I'm not going to try to even do my English accent.
0: Not good. What was, it, what was the other thing <laughs> that we, what was there for more? Well, thing? I just mentioned like, that's ah, crazy. We just, we just don't know about this stuff. And you just simply said, yeah, they don't teach it. And I was like, huh, it's crazy yeah. that all you have to do for the entire population, you know, 99.9% of people, let's say, to not know stuff is just not teach it. <laughs> that's all you have to do.
1: Yeah. or Or teach it, you know, invert it. Out. We'll get into that. I got a good example of that coming up here today. Yeah, just invert the teaching. Don't explain Explain it the opposite of what really happened. All right. Tell the lie big enough, often enough, and it becomes the truth. All those mm-hmm. things are in effect. So where were we? All right, so we got to this idea of the age of exploration. Probably should have slipped in this lex mercatoria. People love to talk about it. That's the Latin for the law merchant. And people treat it as this awful, evil, terrible idea or thing. But that's, it wasn't – not that at all. It's an important concept. So during this period when, you know, obviously ships are traveling between countries, voyaging, you know, this kind of international trade begins. And this is, this is where maritime law really gets kicked up a notch, right? This water law. It's for trade and mm-hmm. commerce. It's really international law. And so it, you know it's all about you know once you get past the boundary you know two miles four miles off the coast of a country then it's you're in maritime law right and this is where the pirates come in and the whole nine yards right it's all this is all mixed up but the real important thing was that when let, let's say I'm an Indian spice trader right and you know I have all these exotic spices that all of Europe wants and so you know once a year or whatever I take a voyage up to Europe and people order you know all these wonderful spices from me and I you know I roll into these ports. And what started to happen was, the the you know people in the other country would just steal. They'd make a deal, you know, whatever with the this Indian you know merchant. But then the Indian merchant would come and they'd roll all the barrels of the spices off, get them all, and then they would just you know kill the guy, or they they'd just help not give him his money or whatever they were trading for, and the Indian merchant would be out of luck because he has no he has no uh, citizenship in this other country. And of course, the guys mm-hmm. that pulled off the heist would, you know, get make a deal with the judge. They were friends. They were countrymen, and so this this merchants would get robbed basically because there was no standard of of law in this trading or commerce realm. Make sense? Yep. So they had to come up with this new. They would stop coming right? after you pulled this off once or twice. The merchants with all the spices or silk or whatever they were bringing stopped coming because they were getting robbed. So the only way they would come back was if they had this international documents, these international contracts that were respected in each country. And this is what starts this, this people start trading more and more once this maritime law is put into place. So you couldn't pull that stunt anymore when this got into place, right? The judge was sort of a neutral and there were contracts in place ahead of time. And, you know, you couldn't just rob a guy from another country and get away with it that's the essence okay but people but this then the reason people hate it or or yell about it now is because this is effectively how they're they're using this law merchant as i'll explain later as the way that they subjugate us under this legal system legal legal just planting a seed there eh? yep so we jump now to 1666 uh this is the this is when you know the cabal burns down london uh not you wouldn't learn that in your history book right? you'd learn something else but that's what really happens of course and it's kind of a it's kind of like a great reset of the time you know and the 666 obviously has some play in here
0: right um, i mean i hadn't heard that they were saying they, they the cabal burned it down
1: yeah oh yeah no no accident right not an accident and what's okay the most interesting thing for our discussion here is is you know, we, we go on and on about what, all the stuff that happened then but this, new, this idea of the SESTA-KV trust comes along. And this is of course a French word. And what that really means is the person for whose use benefit of, it's a fiefment. And really here's the, here's the important part to understand about this is that after London burns down, people wanna come back and claim their property, but there's no, some of them get killed so it was this it was it was really enforced for two reasons it was it was for reclaiming your property that was lost during the London fires but it was also during this age of exploration these you know sons of of lords and barons were you know were you know going off to countries and not all of them were coming back you know their father would die and you know the the first son would be you know the the rightful heir but he'd never come back so it would literally leave these giant estates in Purgatory, if you will, right? They couldn't, there was no, the air was gone. So the SESTA-KV thing was if the sun, if the air goes off for more than seven years and doesn't come back, we presume dead. That's the most important thing to understand about the SESTA-KV, the sesta trust. Mm-hmm. They presume them dead, doesn't come back in seven years, and then the property can be distributed by the courts, the estate.
0: So if it comes back within seven years, Okay. It's his, he gets it.
1: Right. And what a mess it was when the, you know, the heir comes back in 10 or 15 Mm -hmm. or 20 years, right? Mm -hmm. His estate's been chopped up and now he's got to come back and try to, you know, it's a whole big thing, but it was basically the, you know, the estate, the trust turned over the estate after they were presumed dead. That's the real interesting thing in 1666. And then we'll talk about, because you'll hear this if you go off and listen to these legal lawful you know, uh, sovereign people speaking. Talk about the Sestigay Trust all the time. So that's what it was. So just a real quick note: 1694, Bank of England established. This is the, our
0: first central bank, right? Well, so what bank. does it mean for for the Bank of England? Like, they they established it. Like, who who is the Bank of England? Is that Well, who they owned by?
1: Yeah, of course. The name of it sounds like it's the English people and it's the King and Queen's Bank, but it's not, right? It's the it's this this moneyed class, right? The banksters that start this up.
0: Mm -hmm. So So this is just the same group, like generations later, the the people were who were exerting, you know, who are growing in power. Oh, they've grown so much in power now that they've actually managed to establish their own central bank of the whole country, right? Okay. I've
1: got total control at this point. Okay. Total control. So it's just important that this that the banks and the legal system are like one and the same, right? That this is, of course, founded. Where would you Where would you imagine the central bank was founded? City of London, right? The City of London, of course, right, right next door to the Temple Bar, right, the Inns of Court, where the legal system is founded, right, right next to each other. Right. Okay. Right. Fleet Street. For it all happens. So that's the story. So then we of course jump to 1789. That's the constitution. This is a very confusing subject. We're not going to spend any time on it other than to say a constitutor, I've mentioned this to you before, is one who agrees to pay the debts of another. That's what a constitutor is. Well, mm-hmm. so the states were all agreeing, of course, this is a contract. It's really what the constitution is. And the states owe France 6 million francs at this point. They were, the French were helping pay for, you know, the Americans to fight the British. So they're getting their guns and their gunpowder and their troops and all the rest. So we have a debt now, big debt. And of course, the American government has no revenue at this point, next to none. So because of that, really Washington and everybody is forced to, we're forced to have a bank that's controlled by the central bankers,
0: right? Can Back I just add that. something in? I, I did verify this, by the way. I looked up constitutor, legal dictionary, he who promised by a simple pack to pay the debt of another.
1: Well, thanks for your verification. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so, yeah, so now we have... The first bank of america first bank of the united states rather it's a, it's a central bank it's run by this cabal bankster class whatever you want to call it and thomas jefferson managed to get it shut down because he knows what's what's going to end up happening right they're going to own everything and blah 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 blah.
0: oh okay that's why i was relevant to mention jefferson before because he's like yeah i know what's going on here
1: right 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 he's president at, at the time right he gets it closed down so oh, then okay. we have 1793 we have the treaty of paris And effectively, what happens in the the midst of all this is that the the crown, which is not the king and the queen, but it's really the cabal, right? The crown corporation, as will later be known as, um, buys this 6 million franc debt from the French with Mm -hmm. interest, right? So whatever they pay, 10 million francs, 8 million francs, whatever. So now the cabal owns the debt. Okay. So really important. Well 1810, just an interesting note, I think, here is that we have this a, there's a big argument over this. If you go look at all the mainstream documents, they'll say this is ah, it's a lie, it's all bunk, not true. But you get a lot of other people, right, in the independent research realm that say, now it really was ratified by the state. We in, in the United States, two thirds of the states have to ratify proposed amendment to the constitution. So this is the what they call the titles of nobility amendment. And it was just reaffirming hmm. that no nobody could hold an office in any of the governmental capacity that had a title of nobility. This would be the lords, the barons, the earls, etc. Right. But also means the the, the 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 order goes. I think it was gentleman, uh, esquire, knight, and then you know it's like earl, baron, duke, whatever. You know, I don't I don't know exactly, but that's the idea. This esquire. So if you've ever seen an attorney's placard or card or whatever, you know, it'll say ESQ at the end of that. So that is a title of nobility, meaning they are an attorney, right? For the legal system. So that's what this amendment was supposedly supposed to block. We had the- Can
0: court. I just clarify something here? Is there like, is there, is there something like prior proposed 13th amendment that and you're saying this didn't some people say this didn't exist or something is that what it is or, yeah i see you said original 13th amendment right so what what happened there it it didn't was it passed or not that, the,
1: the bigger argument the mainstream will say no the independent people say yes okay it's mentioned in a lot of state constitutions and state documents that it was passed that's a, that's their proof for it but what what ended right. up happening was we had the war of 1812 they burned down washington dc and you know like all the original like so the original documents were all gone basically so that's the mainstream argument because there's no official document that says this was ratified and this okay. whole period of time is very murky right it's just like imagine this little country just getting off the ground and you know, everybody's yeah. everybody wants a piece and they're being attacked from all sides. And this idea that the serfs can be sovereign. And so this you know, obviously every, the whole European continent, right, is saying we got to shutter this upstart nation here. Right.
0: Right. There's all these serfs that think they're That's sovereign. Right. With. Right.
1: They're crazy. So that's the title of noble anyway. But the, you know, if you look at now, right, seven, it's like seventy percent of Washington D.C. are have law degrees, so they're esquires. That's not a it's not an accident, right? This is the system being used to oppress the serfs. Is this legal Are you system?
0: suggesting that when you pass the bar or something, you gain esquire? Yeah. Ship. Yeah. Okay. You're in the club. You can now right.
1: put esq or esquire at the end of your name.
0: Uh and you're a, you're a noble okay
1: right well right that's right so where do we go here so then we have just just a quickie here so but it doesn't take long to get a new bank started up 1816 and that runs for 20 years to 1836 we have the second bank of the united states so this is after the war of 1812 I i don't want to talk about that but we have a new central bank right back cabal is back in charge and this is uh you know Alexander Hamilton's a big part of this, Rothschild agent. You know, we have the big play on Broadway now, Hamilton. And we, of course, it, it uh, says he's a hero and he's great. You know, the Federalist Papers, on and on and on. But Andrew Jackson puts an end to it. He's a bunch of fantastic quotes from him. And, and he was involved in the Trail of Tears and some other stuff. So he's not, you know, it's kind of like a mixed bag of things. But he make, basically makes it his life's purpose to shut down this second bank because he knows they're going to take everything over. And he pulls it off remarkably in 1836. So the point of all this is, so now, you know, the banksters have have tried twice now to get the central bank into this upstart crazy nation and it's failed. So it becomes clear that they are gonna look for another way to subjugate them because all the people know, no central bank, we don't want a central bank, right? It's now proven that it's not good for the people. Mm
0: -hmm. So
1: what we, the next landmark, period is 1859. The international bankruptcy rules are that they come due every 70 years. So we go from 1789 constitution, we now come to 1859, right? And this is 70 year has elapsed. And this, this uh, debt of what was originally 6 million francs is now 80 or $90 million. We basically haven't paid back any of it at this point. So, and that debt's called in. And so mm-hmm. right right around the corner from here, of course, is the Civil War. But you know, right before the Civil War, of course, the southern states secede from the Union. They create the Confederacy, as it's called. And, and the story we're told, this is more lies in history. It's all about slavery, even though less than one percent of the Southerners own slaves. It, w- it wasn't about that at all, right? It was a, It was about this debt that the southern states weren't aware of. That you know the original 13 states had with the French and then the Crown, it's now ballooned to this price. So now these states had joined the Union, these 13 states, mm-hmm. and they were being asked to absorb part of this 90 million dollar debt, and they said, uh, "So yeah, all the no, states no in thanks. the
0: Confederacy were new states who were not involved in taking on the six million franc debt in the That's first right. place." That's right. Right, and, and they, they were didn't. like, and yeah, then they, the. The debt got called in, and the southern states were like, We're out of here, mate.
1: Right. Yeah. Imagine, you know, each state was, you know, on the hook for five or eight million dollars of brand new debt that they weren't aware of, which is, which was, by the way, was an enormous sum of money at that time. Doesn't sound like a lot today, but it sure was then. Mm -hmm. So they said, Yeah, no thanks. We're, uh, we're jumping out of there. And this is also the period when Abraham Lincoln, who is a bar attorney, I'm not going to talk about Lincoln's He's a interesting character, but he's a nobility. He's not supposed, according to the original 13th Amendment, he's not supposed to even have an opportunity to run for president. So you can kind of see mm-hmm. what's happening here, right? And I, my feeling is he was brought in to try to broker, to get the states to, southern states, to agree to this, taking on this debt. But maybe not. Maybe they knew they were going to start a war no matter what. And just another quick interesting note in this year is this is the the southern senators you know when they secede they walk away from congress and they called it interregnum a period of discontinuity discontinuity of government and i've heard several of the lawful gurus argue that they the senate never really reformed after they walked away in 1861. Hmm. they became a corporation as we'll find out here in a second okay so civil war kicks off you know the northerners realize they don't you know they don't have the moral high, moral high ground at this point and so this is when this idea that they're doing it to free the slaves comes into play right because they aren't oh, yeah right right they need a reason that they're causing all this chaos and death and everything and so that's this is the reason that they come up with and of course that's what everybody believes today that it was uh, for this purpose alone i mean you know the the slaves were not treated well when they came up north right they were second third class citizens all the way up until whatever 1960s. So it isn't like they were all welcomed with open arms uh, in the northern states. Anyway, but this is the idea that we're sold on. So we have the Civil War, and and then after the Civil War is over, of course, the North wins, and you can there's all kind of interesting discussions you can have about really it was that was the British, the King against the Vatican, the South. Really, they were just funding both sides to create havoc, to break this thing up. Uh, I think, you know, what ended up happening was after they split up the proceeds here and the British get the federal government, the territorial government, federal, by the way, in Webster's 1828 is contract, it's a contract government. It was the American yeah. government before it was the federal government, before the Civil War it was called the American, the government of the United States. And afterwards it becomes this federal government. There's a new constitution written that looks very similar to the original. It's the Constitution for the United States of America. The original mm-hmm. was the constitution of the United States of America. One little change in words from of to for. That's a different document. It's a document you'll find if you went to museums in Washington, DC. It's this new constitution. Anyway interesting details
0: they still have the original written paper of the constitution of the united states somewhere right yeah
1: well yeah you couldn't get it anywhere but people have images of it right pictures
0: right right there okay there are images of it right and what is there is the text different
1: a little bit it's it's there's little subtle changes all over the place okay you could spend months going over all of that we don't have anywhere near enough time but this is this new constitution is for. I'm jumping ahead one bullet. We'll back up one though. The uh, is for this new corporation that started. Most people place it at the. It's called the Organic Act of 1871, and that's when this the United States of America Inc. is established.
0: And you can tell now. Does there need to be some document, like you know, when it, if I, if I go incorporate a company, and it's a document. It's like, okay, this is the document that's all about the company. Is, is there some specific document that people are going to look at that is the document regarding this corporation?
1: Well, So here's the trick. This is where this gets to be a huge mess, and it gets very confusing. You'll notice in my notes, I, I write it properly, but it becomes this proper noun. Look at the T on the United States of America. It's, it's a capital T. Mm-hmm. The original was lowercase t, the, and United States of America. That's the, the one okay. little change, right? The comma ink part, of course, isn't written anywhere. Why would you want to give it away? It's like, you know, saying Apple Ink, McDonald's Ink, right? Google mm-hmm. Ink. Nobody says the ink. It's just, you just kind of forget about it. But this
0: is, in effect, it's the United States becomes incorporated. And, and f- what, so, what does it mean there to become incorporated? Just to, to, fucking be made up like made up go. be made up out of nothing or something
1: yeah
0: so well, they don't need to like to... draft pay or may- maybe they drafted papers off in their secret bank or something like that because what, what do they care about us whether we have access to the papers right but the thing that makes it a corporation you're saying is just the fact that it's made up not that there's specific papers but just that it is made up it's
1: a new legal entity corporation
0: mm-hmm. talking corpse
1: Right. Mm-hmm. So it's a it's a fictional dead entity or a corpse, but it can talk. In other words, it needs a representative. I mean, represent representatives. Of, corporations require representatives. Prior to right, the, and this is getting into some. getting a little off track here, but the original U.S. government was it was just a company. And the states are all independent nations. There was, and they joined together to pay a company, the U S government to perform certain enumerated tasks, like coin the money from gold and silver, protect the borders, run the post office, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So what is a company? you can play games with all these words, but it was, it was a business. We're saying we're paid business. We'll pay you guys to do these, to run these, perform these tasks for us. That was it? They didn't.
0: And who set that up? Who who set up that the, business? The
1: original, the original founders of the United States.
0: Right. So, so when you call it a business, it's like that's just a word to imply that it does business and administrative functions, right? But it's essentially just a a group of people, right? Right. It, so that, there was a group of people, and that was the the government, the federal government, right? The government, federal government, was a group of people, and the states paid this group of people to take care of administrative duties, right?
1: Right, that's right. And you can okay to this day, you can say the deep state is really the administrative state; those are synonymous terms. Mm-hmm. But that was the idea. And, and so,
0: go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, sure, sure. And so you're saying after 1871, it's just like that group didn't really exist anymore and they made a new group or there's not even a group anymore. It's just a fictional entity at that point.
1: So this is, this gets into a very interesting topic. Probably spend a whole podcast doing this, but now we have essentially, this is the legal overlay coming into full force. So they both exist. They both exist. The original okay. founding documents, right? They're just using our system with this legal overlay on top of it. I'll give you the real trick here in a second. It's a good question, though. So, and, you know, like straw man, and a lot, of, a lot of times you'll hear these guys just running over the Fourteenth Amendment. Ah, it was because of the Fourteenth Amendment and created the U.S. citizen, but they don't really explain it because it's already been explained a thousand times in one of their previous podcasts. But did they really explain this, so. After the Civil War is over, we have this—I uh, uh, can't come up with the word now. It's not Reformation, but it's the reconstitution of the country. Reconstruction, sorry—that's the word they use. So they have a new Thirteenth Amendment that frees the slaves, and they come up with this Fourteenth Amendment, and this is to because none of the states, and right, even the northern states, like why if they were really doing it to free the slaves, why wouldn't they grant citizenship to the slave, the slaves, right? Why wouldn't they do it? Mm. None of them, none of them would do it. So they had to come, they had to make a new, what's called a political status. So prior to this, during this, if you were living in America at that time, you would say, I'm a New York state citizen, or I'm a Florida state citizen or an Ohio state citizen. You, you wouldn't say I'm a American citizen. And that wasn't the way it worked because each of the states were their own nations. Mm-hmm. But after the civil war. None of the states wanted to grant citizenship. So, it's like, so they had to make this new status. They called it a U.S.
0: citizen. U period S period citizen. And why? Why didn't they want to grant? Why didn't the states want to grant citizenship? I mean, the, because the, they felt that the slaves were second-class citizens. Okay.
1: Right. They had. They didn't. You know, deserved own land and on, and on. I mean, they started. You know, things happened afterwards. You know, forty. Acres and a mule, kind of a thing. But this was this was the original setup after the Civil War. So mm-hmm. and it's funny, this is why I want to tell you my my niece, she got a, i saw I have to see some of her homework, and it was all about how wonderful the Fourteenth Amendment was and how it gave us all these civil rights. And it was just this wonderful thing for all of us. And really, what it is, it it actually, so this is the idea of where the pyramid gets inverted. I haven't really talked about this, but there's a maximum of law, which is just an axiomatic thing everybody agrees to. He who creates controls, right? You create a business, you control it. You Mm -hmm. create children, you know, you control them until they come of age. So the government created, federal government, uh, corporation created this U.S. citizen. So they control it. And prior to this, of course, is that you were out, the government was controlled by the states, by the people. Right? They created this business to run these certain tasks on behalf of all the states. But you were a sovereign and you lived in a republic. Mm-hmm. So they had the, the government had nothing to do with you other than making sure that they coined the money and ran, you know, ran the mail and so on and so forth.
0: Right, there's working for you, right? You delegated some responsibilities over right. so that they right. could do it and they receive money and you don't have to fuck around wasting your time doing all that boring right. stuff, right? Right.
1: And, of course, this business, or this corporation, now is creating rules for their employees, corporate policies, or corporate bylaws, statutes, if you will, that only apply right. to... So we're just right?
0: believing... The, the reason this is a corporation and it's become an entity is they, they just like said that there's a thing. They're like, yeah, Constitution for the United States, yeah, it's a thing. And we're like, okay. Yeah, and then they just keep referring to it, and re, we refer to it, and it's just made up in the beginning right but now it has it really feels like it's real right
1: well again it's you know the constitution was subtly altered and changed right right the one we know of today is was not the original but again they're doing this little by little piece by piece Ah, okay none of this is everything i'm talking about here is over across generations it's like frog boiling right you get you know right right right, right put a frog in a pot of cool water and you just turn it up slowly he won't jump out that kind of thing that's what's happening yep. with all of this they don't like just come in here with you know rifles and cannons and say hey, now this is the new way it's very ingenious and subtle so here we have uh let's see where was i so this you know this act organic act you know people argue against this you know they changed it you know who knows, four or five times in just in the 1870s alone. So that the original Organic Act no longer applies, but they kept changing it and changing it. But what really happened here in all of this is that the British the king got the federal and the Vatican got what's known as the municipal governments of the city, right? county jurisdiction. We have these two different governments now. Mm-hmm. So that's an example of these different jurisdictions. Basically, they're just taking money from people (laughs) and either one, right? It's just a money grab, labor grab. So where do we go here? So by the way, the Southern states are under martial law this whole time from after the really after the Civil War, 1865 to 1880, more or less. They're being held by military rules, Libra code on and on and on. not going to talk about that today. But in this period of time, we get this Organic Act, we get a bunch of changes to that, and we get, then we get, of course, the bar, right? The Crown Temple Bar, the legal system gets introduced. Banker-approved in representative, of you've written. Right. That's one, most people say British accredited, accredited registry, but I've also heard Banker-approved <laughs> representative as well. Right. So the American Bar Association comes in in 1878. And this is when, of course, unleash the attorneys, the legal system into America. And this is, of course, the control matrix that they're bringing. so these uh, are all-
0: right, because they've already got this big legal leash system established in Britain, right? Right. So 1878, you're saying they they're like boom, they started to really push it into the well, here it United States, eh? Right. Okay.
1: And it, we're operating under the common law. It's not even the British common law. It's the American common law is now operating. You know, one little side note here is that the the most common book other than the Bible on the shelves of all the, you know, new colonists and the, and Americans over here was the Blackstone's common law. Hmm. You, you didn't need an attorney. You don't need an attorney. You didn't need anything. Everyone understood, essentially. And this is, you know, the golden rule. Do no harm, injury, cause
0: harm, injury, loss to your fellow man, right? One to do others, right? Right, right. Got so, that. no one has these anymore, right? <laughs> what do you mean? Like, no these? one has a copy of that of that book. Yeah, it's hard to
1: find, um, right? And really, it's unnecessary. But the people looked at it for previous rulings and findings, like well, what happens in these you know, it's all about these complex, tricky situations, like who really has the right position here. So, that's really what it was. Mm-hmm. Remember, I said early on in the first podcast is that the common law is unwritten, it's just the, these are the Right, right, right. Rules and mores and customs of your culture.
0: How we do it around here, yeah,
1: yeah, that's it. So again, you're going to be, you're not going to be judged by the judge. I haven't really dived into this yet, but in in the common law system, the judge is just a referee. He I mean, just makes sure everything's legit and nobody gets out of line. But it was the jury of your peers that decided the fate of your case. Mm-hmm. So in in today's legal system. Most of the time, the judge decides the law and the facts in most cases. Now, if you get a, if you do get a jury trial under the legal system, then the judge makes the determination on the law, which is statutory, right? Statutory policies. Mm -hmm. The jury makes a decision on the facts, but in the common law system, neither the judge is just again, magistrate, just a referee between the, you know, the two people going after going at it, the jury got to decide the law and the facts. Right. Makes sense? It's an important point.
0: Yeah. And that's what a common law proceeding is. Go ahead. So now now is the jury, well, I I guess I don't understand what you mean by the jury decides the facts and the judge just, what what does it mean to decide the facts and for for a judge to decide the law? Like, what does that mean?
1: Right. So in, in a, in a legal case, right, the judge can determine what, The statutes statutes were or weren't followed. So the judge can say, ignore that testimony from that person, because that falls outside of what we call the legal framework. That's (laughs) <laughs>
0: That's <laughs> hilarious.
1: Or, but but also think of think of this idea of like we have you know think of uh, someone killing somebody else. So we have murder one, murder two, murder three. Hom- you know, uh, manslaughter one, manslaughter two, three, four, five. Right, minute. right. The judge Involunt- will decide which one. Right, right. Involuntary manslaughter one, two, three. So you know, it's like so he, the judge set, can tell the jury you can't decide this is manslaughter three or involuntary manslaughter two or murder one or whatever. And he tells them you can only convict this person of you know involuntary manslaughter three or whatever because i decided
0: right so the the jury's kind of deciding uh whether reality is aligned with the facts of the the legalities that the judge presents to them
1: the jury is described just comes to guilty or not guilty that's all they get to do
0: okay okay sure
1: the judge gets to say all right you it's that's manslaughter three that's 10 years and whatever blah 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 well, the judge gets to decide mm-hmm. all the law that applies.
0: But in oh, common, okay. Oh, oh, okay. Sure. Gotcha.
1: Right? In a common law system, the people, the jury gets to decide this guy needs to go to prison for 50 years or one year, or whatever it is. Right? we That's what we decided. That's the penalty he deserves for right. killing this person.
0: And they wouldn't talk about murder one or murder two. They'd just be like, you know, I think it was really severe. So we think this punishment is right. appropriate.
1: Those are statutes. There's no such thing. All there is is the the, the opinion of your peers, and of course, you wouldn't ever want to find something horrific for somebody because then your peers could do the same thing to you. So that right, there's an incentive to be as fair and just as
0: you can be. Right. So I'm I'm seeing it here. Like you, yeah. That's why you call it banker-approved representative because we there was this common law, and then they started to inject all these banker-approved representatives. And they're just making, uh, company policies that, uh, all the, uh, employees have to follow. Right. Corporate. Yeah. Corporate policies. Yeah. It,
1: it, and really the whole thing, the whole system is really, I haven't gotten here yet. It's more towards the end of this, but yeah, it's all, all criminal laws, really commercial. And it's all to extract money. What it really is about. Mm-hmm. So, but that's a, that's a whole different idea, but yeah, that's right. So where do we go from here? Uh, all right we also have the department of justice being you know first founded in this in this era as well some people i think trump now calls a the department of injustice <laughs> just mm-hmm. to get under, the, under the skin of the people that are doing things so this is what you know i kind of define this whole thing as this this you know 1879 to 1929 I'm just calling this con, this in, continued encroachment of the legal system over this common law system they had so it's Slow, slowly, people—they're not teaching people about this, so they don't understand their real rights. They think they're—they've now gotten more and more people are being ho- coaxed into saying, "I'm a U.S. citizen instead of uh, a New York State citizen."
0: Right? So, and a how, U.S. citizen is under the legal system, right? Right, the, right, the
1: corporation created you, the, so they control it. This U.S. citizen, which is effectively treated as an employee or a dependent of the federal corporation. Right. Which is, you know, under the auspices that this was the, gave the freed slaves some status. Right. Because the states wouldn't give the sovereignty status. So this was giving that, that's how basically, you know, in a nutshell, you thought this, the, that the, we all think that the civil war was to free the slaves, but really what it did was it enslaved everybody.
0: Yeah. 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 I was just thinking like, it's so crazy. Like everyone's like, I am a citizen. (laughs) I'm so proud to be a citizen. Right. Right. Like before it wasn't, you wouldn't be calling yourself a citizen. You'd be calling yourself a a sovereign or something. Right. Or
1: it'd be, it'd be, you'd say your state, state, which was a nation. Like I said, a New York State citizen, which you were. You
0: would so say that, you're a state citizen, which right. is actually a, a proud title, right? Yeah, yeah. But uh, the state uh, is the a U.S. citizen is a just an employee of the corporation, right?
1: Right. What? Well, right. But yeah. We've talked about this earlier, but yeah, you won't, you have no idea that's what it is because they say they give no. you privileges and benefits. You get privileges and benefits, <laughs> right? Which wow, which privileges, the, which the slaves did not have. So it was a step up for them.
0: Right, right, right. Step down for all the sovereigns. Yeah, right. Because it they come in the 14th Amendment, I guess they're saying, so now everyone is a U.S. citizen, right?
1: No, 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 They did not just, they didn't say that. They, they over time, they, you would, like, so say you would go to get, uh you know, a passport or you would sign, you know, a certain legal document. And you would just have these choices, and they just started to take away the choices that you were a state citizen. You, so today, right, you go uh-huh. you get a driver's license or a passport. There's, you know, are you are you an alien? Are you a green card holder? Are you a U.S. citizen? Which one are you? So they, right. Hey, they don't offer New York state citizen to you. Okay. Just, they just stopped showing it to us. So this is their little. So it still
0: exists. That's what you yeah. said before. Like the two systems exist. Like you could probably go declare yourself a new york state citizen but you don't know about it so you're just like i'm a u.s citizen
1: that's right this is this this whole quote status correction thing that's happening i'm going to (laughs) change your political status back to the way things were prior to this 14th amendment
0: so this is a movement gaining in popularity
1: right right Right. and there's all kind of infighting on who's doing it right and who's doing it wrong and if they've done enough or haven't done enough
0: and we won't be able to get into any of this in,
1: in these two talks, but there's all these presumptions. Like, So it's just, it just, it's a huge whole other talk to get into this. But yeah, this, so there's this legal system they could, because they couldn't get rid of the common law system that was in place. They overlaid this legal system over it and make us believe this is the only thing operating when it's really not the only thing operating. Right. You just haven't right. been educated on it, right? Why would the, your rulers educate you on these subjects? Mm-hmm. Of course, they wouldn't want to do that. So, this is yeah. I want to get see if I can get up through all of this because this is there's only like really I guess I named Jefferson and William the Conqueror, but this is the most interesting character. So, 1913, we have everybody kind of knows this is when the IRS and the Fed were introduced, the Federal Reserve under Woodrow Wilson. Mm-hmm. A, a real quick note. I guess I'll say this afterwards uh, about another quick note I didn't I didn't put in here, but. There's a character that comes into play here that you know not one in a thousand people have ever heard of here in the United States. His name was Edward Mandelhouse, or Colonel Edward Mandelhouse. As he not, wasn't really a colonel, an honorary title, but his dad, you know, one of the wealthiest people in Texas during the Civil War period. He's a I forget what they call him, a blockade runner or something. He's so he's you know trading in illicit merchandise between the British and the Americans and cotton and goods and back and forth. He makes a killing. So I think it's safe to say he's been blessed by, you know, the European banking cabal, more or less. That's how you get rich pretty much. Mm-hmm. So he has this son, Edward Mandelhouse, who has a knack for helping he's called the kingmaker in Texas. He has that for basically he's a political activist behind the scenes guy help helps like four or five guys become governor of Texas. And eventually decides I, I'm ready for bigger things and, you know, moves up to the big federal national level. And, uh, he is, he He somehow or another, I mean, I think it's because of his dad. I don't know that I've read this officially, but he gets connected with the Warburgs, which are part of the Rothschild dynasty, and they're the big big money guys on Wall Street. and he it's said that House and Warburg were the biggest influencers in getting the Federal Reserve to Act passed. So they're greasing politicians, whatever it needs to be done to get this done. And we're not going to certainly talk about the Federal Reserve here a subject unto itself with me so far. Yep. He becomes Woodrow Wilson's primary advisor. And I would call him Wilson's handler. It's a term people understand today. Woodrow mm-hmm. Wilson is quoted as saying Edward Mendel house was his alter ego. <laughs> like basically Whoa. he, he speaks for me. Hmm. So he's, he's really the president and my, you know, he's calling all the shots. And like I said, one day I might want to do this talk on this mesmerism idea, but it was very popular in this period of time, you know, kind of 1840 to 1890, there's all these mesmerists going around and performing all these parlor tricks. But in reality, I think there was some, there's some realness to it. What's called mesmerism mind control, right? MK ultra, whatever you want to call it. So I think he's got some of these skills. And what I wanted to mention here is that Rudolf Steiner in one of his talks talks about Wilson and said he was, he had, he was demonically possessed. That's so how Steiner phrases it. Okay. Interesting, huh? Crocky, Right. So a couple things here and then we'll, we'll wrap it up here on house, but he's, so he's the ghost author of this book called Philip Drew Administrator. Uh, you know, originally it was anonymous when it came out and uh, it's supposed to be, you know, it's a fictional novel. But it was actually this detailed plan for the future government in the United States, which would, which was based on Karl Marx's communism, socialism. Hmm. So it, okay. predicted, it I, predicted. I have not even heard of that. Yeah, it's predicted all kinds of things. The graduated income tax, excess profits tax, unemployment, Social Security, flexible currency. There was in effect, it was what the New Deal was. Franklin Delano Roosevelt came in. Mm-hmm. And I want to read this one quote. So, oh, he also founded the Council on Foreign Relations, which which a lot of people – he was a founding member. A lot of people say this is what really – this is the group that really controls all of America, right? controls the politicians, so forth. Mm -hmm. You can read all kinds of books on that topic exclusively. But this is how powerful this guy was. He writes this book that eventually the the Franklin Delano Roosevelt administration follows to a T. He founds the the group CFR that a lot of people to this day say runs things. It's basically the corollary of the uh, Institute for Royal Affairs from, I think that's what they call it in Australia, Uh, certainly in Britain. That's basically the same thing, but here's the quote. So this is one of these situations you get into where this, this is allegedly a letter between House and Woodrow Wilson. You can't, there's no, you know, the the people who run the archives and documents for Woodrowls and say there's no f- such letter. So it, this just goes to show how, how easy it is to hide or, you know, get something out of public view if it's, you know, if it's not uh, amenable to the story you want to tell about somebody. Right. You could just say, yeah, we don't officially have any letter like that. So to this day, you can't say this for sure. But this is the quote. And I'm going to read it verbatim here. Who wrote it to whom? Edward Mandelhouse, the he guy who, to Wilson w- or to
0: Roosevelt. Yep, sometime between 1913 and
1: 1921, during Wilson's tenure as president. He okay. Said, Very soon, every American will be required to register their biological property in a national system designed to keep track of the people, and that will operate under the ancient system of pledging. Side note: Think corpus juris civilis here. By such methodology, we can compel people to submit to our agenda, which will affect our security as a chargeback for our fiat paper currency. Every American will be forced to register or suffer not being able to work and earn a living. This is, you can't get a job in America without a social security number. Can't do it. Mm-hmm. So there you go. So continuing, they will be our chattel. And will hold the security interest over them, for, and we will hold the security interest over them forever by operating, by operation of the law merchant, under the scheme of secured transactions. Americans, by unknowingly or unwittingly delivering the bills of lading to us, will be rendered bankrupt and insolvent forever, to remain economic slaves through taxation secured by their pledges. They will be stripped by their rights and given a commercial value designed to make us a profit, and they will be none the wiser, for not one man in a million could ever figure our plans. And if by accident one of one or two would figure it out, we have in our arsenal plausible deniability. After all, this is the only logical way to fund government by floating liens and debt to the registrants in the form of benefits and privileges. This will inevitably reap to us huge profit beyond our wildest expectations and leave every American a contributor to this fraud, which we call social insurance, which is social security. Without realizing it, every American will insure us for any loss we may incur. And in this manner, every American will unknowingly be our servant, however begrudgingly. The people will become helpless and without any hope for their redemption. And we will employ the high office of the president of our our dummy corporation to foment this plot against America. Unquote. How's that for a doozy?
0: Yeah, sure. (laughs) I mean, uh, the first that I had was, um, because you mentioned, oh, you know, maybe it's not attributable or who knows, or no proof or something like that. But, you know, I thought, but this text still exists. You know, this idea exists. So this was in the, you know, collective consciousness somehow. Whether this guy wrote it or what, like this has been, manifested somehow
1: well it happened it all happened right right this, this is like a perfect explanation of what happened yep and and i have of course i there's more to go here we think we're gonna have to do a, another episode on this uh we're gonna have mm-hmm. to wrap this one up here for today but we'll see in short order that this is exactly what starts to happen in the 1920s and 30s right the exact thing that's written so whether he wrote it or not whether someone made it all up it's not that important. What's important is, is this is exactly what happens. This is exactly what, how he explains things in his fictional novel, Philip Drew. So it seems almost impossible that he wouldn't have written this, couldn't have written this. Gotcha. And so I'll just leave it with this, is that this guy, Edward Mandel House, is probably the most influential person in the United States of the 20th century. No one else even comes close, in my opinion. Mm. Some people may argue Henry Kissinger, right? Yeah, he's a pretty influential guy. No, but th- this House guy is the real is the real deal, and nobody's ever heard of him, of course. No, I'd never heard of him. One in a thousand people have heard of him. Anyway, behind the well,
0: scenes, eh? Totally.
1: Which is how all the real powerful people are always behind the scenes.
0: Okay. So, so I guess we'll wrap it up and anyone watching should jump right into the next episode.
1: Yep, we'll do, we'll do the next episode in a couple of weeks and uh, we'll put her out there.
0: There's more to go.
1: Great questions. And uh, please leave comments if anything is an un- unclear. And we will certainly try to clear that up either with a you know reply or in a future broadcast.
0: Right. And I think it's a good time to let people know. I mean, you haven't finished this book. But people could be listening to this years in the future, so you're working on a book that goes into even greater detail. Do you just want to mention a few things just for, uh, for that word that's in into the future? For I don't know, what's the word you say for posterity?
1: Ah, for posterity. Well, you know, hopefully it'll be put out someday. Maybe it'll be a pamphlet. Maybe it'll be five books. I don't know. Maybe it'll just turn into, you know, fifty podcasts. I don't know yet. I mean, a lot of a lot of what was done here today was from the outline of the book. So that's the idea. So hopefully it'll come out. We'll certainly talk about it if it does.
0: Well, I think if it is out, if you're watching this in in posterity, (laughs) I highly suggest you just look right below this video because that's where it's going to be if it's out. Yeah, we'll update the video.
1: Uh, Of course, if it comes out. Good point.
0: All right. Okay. thanks, everyone, for watching. And thanks, Brad, for your wonderful uh, explanation.
1: Thank you for all your great questions, Matt. Hopefully everyone got a nice little education here and it's clear to everybody and we'll uh, pick up from the story uh, on a future podcast.
0: Okay. Talk soon. Bye-bye.
1: Thanks, everybody. Take care.